When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome to the program on this Wednesday morning. Thanks for joining us on 1170 AM in Sydney, wherever you've got us via the SEN app. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. As always, this morning you can give me a call anytime over the next three hours or oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. And we should say good morning and welcome back to one Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood, who have arrived back into Sydney this morning. I've seen some vision of them going through Sydney Airport, so. Um, to the fellas, if you're in the back of the car heading off to wherever you need to go this morning after your arrival, you've done your media, you've been swamped this morning by media, might still be doing it the way that it's going on. Congratulations. Welcome back home to Sydney and welcome back to the country and let's hope that you can get some rest and soak up the wonderful World Cup victory. So well done and no doubt it'll all start to hit home over the next couple of days when you get back to friends and family on the list this morning in terms of guests on the show, Andy Harper will join me to talk about the Socceroos' victory over Palestine. So I'll get into that in just a second. But also some news around the A-League in football. And I'll throw this to you, especially in terms of rugby league, because the A-League is going twice now into New Zealand. So doubling down essentially into New Zealand with the expansion team into Auckland. And they will be backed by a billionaire who's got some pretty serious runs on the board in the world of sport. So what does this mean for the A-League, obviously, and football in Australia and now the Trans-Tasman competition with two teams over there in New Zealand? And what does it mean, do you think, for the bigger picture for the NRL when we're looking at expansion down the road? Are we missing a beat here that other codes are looking at? Or are we biding our time and still going the right way with Papua New Guinea? Jury's out for me on that one, but I'll hand that over to you in just a few moments. Larry Canning will join me. The Australian PGA Championship starts tomorrow up at Royal Queensland. So big times in the world of golf. And it's interesting, isn't it, how the Australian legs have come back into prominence. Now, a lot of talk around the party hole and all that kind of stuff, and Cameron Smith, of course, um, and, we, and we've got so many big names now. But the live golf factor in all of this can't be underestimated because there's a couple of layers to it, including world rankings points and therefore shots at majors if you decided to defect to live a couple of years ago now. So Larry Canning will join us a little bit later on this morning. So too will Joel Gould with all the latest on the road from Rugby League in AAP Sportsland. And Alice Arnott and Tom Craig from the New South Wales Pride hockey team. So women's and men's New South Wales Pride hockey teams both into the championship final weekend. So semi-finals down there in Canberra. Alice and Tom are also partners. So we're going to try and get both of them on the line at the same time and see how that one plays out. You can join us anytime this morning. A $100 voucher to Archie's Footwear. I've got to give away... Archie's thongs are so comfy, you'll never take them off. So hit me up on the text line. Be our best caller this morning. See if you can come up with something good this morning for us to chat to. Make me laugh on this Wednesday morning. Why not? It's the world 
of sport. So the Socceroos 1-0 in Kuwait City in their World Cup qualifier against Palestine. This is how it played out. Harry Sutar scored in the 18th minute again off a Craig Goodwin corner. A corner delivered by Craig Goodwin. Let's see if history is about to repeat. Goodwin's delivery. It has been repeated. Extraordinary. Goodwin to Sutar. Same results. 1-0 Australia. Harry Sutar has his 10th goal for his country in just his 22nd appearance. So perhaps after 18 minutes, if you got up nice and early, you're thinking maybe there's another thrashing here. It was 7-0 against Bangladesh last week. And, of course, very different scenario all round at the neutral venue against Palestine in this one. And a different outcome. We still won the match, but Australia were held for the rest of the match and also had to endure some nervous moments, including a late save by Matt Ryan as well in the first half. Let's have a listen to how Graham Arnold summarised the 1-0 win over Palestine last night or early this morning. Mate, it's exactly uh, what I predicted and thought, you know, that uh, you know, Palestine, uh, we're going to come out in that type of energy, that type of work rate and fight, and you've got to give full uh, credit to Palestine. Probably we didn't play our best, but the uh, most important thing was the three points. In terms of the structure of the team tonight and areas for improvement, what, what do you want to look at? Yeah, look, I think uh, that game was really a fight for the second ball game. They... You know, they had four up front, they got a couple of big boys, they smashed it long and we were getting, uh, getting ready for the second ball and, you know, I think we obviously we can do better but, again, I'm very proud of the boys after everything uh, off the field that we've gone through, you know, getting this game planned late, you know, everything late and uh, the fact that we got it done is the main thing. What's that match number 60 now for Arnie in charge of the Socceroos? The way that he shouts and screams on the sideline and then has to get through the post-match <laughs> interview. I don't know if he's got many more in him in terms of interviews, but it shows the passion out there. Well done to the Socceroos, well done to Palestine. So what's next for Australia? Well, players will return to their clubs this weekend. Next in terms of on the pitch, we look at the Asian Cup in Qatar. And we're talking about the first game on the 13th of January against India. Socceroos will be one of the favourites there alongside South Korea, Japan, and the hosts who are the defending champions, Qatar themselves. Meanwhile, closer to home, well, closer to home plus across the Tasman, the A-League has announced it will go to Auckland for its newest team, 13th and newest team for the 2024 and 25 season. So they've granted a licence for the Auckland club. It still has to be ticked off by the various federations, I understand, but the Auckland club has been awarded to billionaire Bill Foley. He owns, amongst other things, the English Premier League club Bournemouth and also National Hockey League champions, the Vegas Golden Knights. So they're yet to get their name. Perhaps we might have the Auckland Knights there, which ironically was exactly what they were called back in 2005, 2007 when they were last the base for an A-League club. There will also be a women's team which will be introduced the following season. So the Auckland team joins the Wellington Phoenix. Like I said, a 13-team 13, 13 competition and football Australia boss James Johnson said it's all part of the league's evolution. So what about the others that were in the mix? We'll talk to Andy Harper about that. But let's put a rugby league spin on this. Now, different codes, different setups, different scenarios, different expansion timeframes, the lot. But 
we know that there are teams and consortiums in New Zealand that are willing to put their hand up and be part of the expansion of rugby league that is coming, more than likely in 2027. And we know that Papua New Guinea is destination favourite for the NRL at the moment and, of course, the Australian government and the government in Papua New Guinea. So we know that that's on the radar. But we also know what we could get out of New Zealand. We've got the Warriors over there. We get a, a rivalry kind of game if we went into Wellington or other parts of New Zealand, Christchurch, that are putting their hands up. Have we missed a little bit of a trick here? Have the A-League got the jump, or does it just not matter in terms of what Rugby League are doing? Could we have perhaps lent towards a billionaire like Bill Foley with the runs on the board there, and he's got the football connection through Bournemouth, but perhaps could we have looked in there? Let me know your thoughts on that one. Like I said, the jury's out for me yet because I'm yet to see the true compelling reasons as to why the PNG team and expansion, aside from the fact that they love their rugby league and geopolitically it's got all that going for it, I'm yet to go through all the facts to see if this is the best thing for the game. Now, if it is, I'm happy. Let's go for it, 100%. But I'm yet to see all of that because all of that yet is to be put on the table. Still a few years to go and there's big money involved. But now, with what's happening with the A-League, perhaps it allows us to go, let's have a little think about this here. Should we be thinking more carefully about New Zealand? Or do you think we just stick with the Warriors over there and that's it? Let me know your thoughts on that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or 0457-736-736. Speaking of rugby, le- rugby league news, what's been making news in the last 12, 24 hours? An emoji. <laughs> I kid you not, an emoji has been making news. So Bradman Best replies to a post from Jerome Luai about a Foot Locker store promotion with an emoji of a tiger and wide eyes. And it's news. This is the modern day news cycle. And this is stuff that you actually have to pay attention to. So I'm not taking the mickey out of it. I'm just showing you that this is where we're at. We've got a Newcastle Knights player reacting to a post from a Penrith player supposedly about the West Tigers and it's news. And it's an emoji. <laughs> so we all have to start digging, oh, what does this mean? What the, what the hell does this mean? Well, they're both managed by the same management company. That's about the only link there. But gee, you could have some fun, couldn't you? You could just sit around and fire off an emoji or a like or a thumbs up or whatever it is, uh, tigers and uh, throw a donkey in there, whatever you want to do. Who knows what's next? That's about it. That's all I can tell you. Making news around the Jerome Luai situation is an emoji. That's where that one ends. Meanwhile, the Bulldogs have joined the Dragons, reportedly in showing interest in Connor Tracy. So Dave Ricky on Brent Reid reporting in the telly this morning that Tracy's been given permission by the Sharks to look around. He's got another year left on his deal. Cameron Serraldo is looking to boost his squad and is trying to entice Connor Tracy to leave early, which he'd get the permission if they could make everything work, and obviously there'd probably be some compensation in return. The Sharks have already let Matt Moylan go off to the English Super League, so perhaps Connor Tracy can get a deal done, but would it be the Bulldogs or the Dragons? And Bulldogs fans and Dragons fans, let me know your thoughts around this one. Would that make sense for your club? Is that the kind of signing that you'd want to see? So Connor Tracy had a good back end of the year. Two games for Souths is where he started his NRL journey back in 2019. 
and has played 64 games for the Sharks in the last four seasons. I think he played 10 this year. Let me know your thoughts on that. 0457 736 736. WBBL last night. Interesting. Really interesting. You know that I love my laws of cricket here. I don't love them all. But when you get down into the weeds of, of the laws of cricket, you find some really quirky things. And would you have seen this one coming, even if you are a cricket nuffy? Would you have noticed what Amelia Kerr did last night by catching the ball from throwing from the deep and she had the towel that she uses to dry the ball and she caught it with her hands? So if you saw it, I didn't see it live. So I, I can't, I, I tell you what, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have picked it up. I wouldn't have picked it up. But there is a law that states that it's illegal if a fielder extends his or her clothing with his or her hands and uses this to field the ball. So it's illegal to do that, what she did. And when you go into the laws of the game, it therefore goes on to become a five penalty uh, runs that are awarded to the batting side and the ball immediately becomes dead. It goes back to also the law about um, which fielders can use any other equipment, such as protective equipment. So no fielder other than the wicketkeeper can wear gloves or external leg, leg, cards, uh, leg guards, I should say, should say. And you can't have any protection for the hand or fingers without the consent of the umpires. And then you can't use your clothing to catch or touch the ball when it's in play. So that's the, that's the boring bit of it. The interesting bit is that as soon as the ball came back and Amelia Kerr caught it, the umpire was onto it like that. So a very rare and very costly five-run penalty handed against the Brisbane Heat. Five runs go to the batting side. And the Sixers ended up winning that match with one ball left. So the Heat, seven for 176, and Amelia Kerr did most of the damage there with the bat for Brisbane, 64. Elise Perry, three for 40. Then the Sixers, with one ball left, end up four for 177. Ash Gardner, 36. Aaron Burns, 35. And it also came down to Tilly Carmichael and Matilda Brown, who needed 38 off the last four overs. They got seven off the last over, but those five runs are crucial. A very rare and very costly five-run penalty that perhaps most of us didn't see or wouldn't have seen, even if we're in the world of cricket. But the umpire was there and on top of it. So well done there. Sydney now 6-7 and seven for the season. They're in fifth place. The Sydney Thunder dropped their game against the Adelaide Strikers uh, yesterday afternoon by three wickets. So the Thunder are now third, 7-4. and four, And Adelaide on top of the ladder, 9-3 and three at the moment. Scorchers, who are second, currently take on the Stars today. Now in golf, this is an interesting situation. So we've got the PGA starting tomorrow at Royal Queensland. Cam Smith, defending champ. We've got Adam Scott there, Minwoo Lee, Matt Jones, Cam Davis, and Mark Leishman. Leishman's a fascinating story and a good reflection on what's happening in the world of golf right now, especially with live golfers, the majors, and where they all end up together, as in the PGA Tour plus live and the DP World Tour. So as you know, Leishman didn't qualify to play any of the majors this year. But that ended a streak of 30 straight majors that goes back to the 2015 Masters. He's had four top five finishes in majors. You'd have to say that he has been one of the Australians knocking on the door, most likely. 
he also knew when he went to live that that was going to fall by the wayside because there's no rankings attached with Liv. Now, they've tried. They just can't get any. Mark Leishman's now ranked 410th in the world. He was up to 12th, was his career best. And as of January last year, he was still top 40. So think top 50, depending on where it's at, top 50 to top 70, and your majors are on the card. None of the four organisations that run the majors have actually banned live golf players, but they've stuck to their exemption criteria, which means if you don't have the right rankings or you're not exempt, you can't get in. And live cannot get official world golf rankings sorted to earn a spot. They made their application earlier this year and it was rejected. Doesn't matter to Cam Smith at the moment. He can play all four majors through to 2027 after winning the British Open. Doesn't matter to Dustin Johnson. Doesn't matter to Phil Mickelson. He can play everything but the US Open until 2030. But what about those players like a Mark Leishman, for instance, who, sure, made their bed and have been sleeping in it, but somebody's starting to change the covers and the pillows. They're starting to work out the PGA Tour is going to end up in bed with the public investment fund of Saudi or someone else. They've started to change the goalposts already. It's just a matter of who they end up in bed with. So what does this mean for golfers like Mark Leishman? Should the majors just work out a system here, an order of merit? Should they fast-track players back into reunification and allow them to play other events that have world golf ranking points attached to them? Should they work out a system for live to get rankings points? That's complex. Or should the live players just cop it sweet? There are a lot of people who are saying, you got your money, take it, and let's see where it ends. In my opinion, the goalposts are starting to shift. So then the other parts have to shift with it. We don't know where they're going to end, and we don't know how long that's going to take. But they're starting to shift the rules, and they've started it. The PGA Tour have started this. So perhaps they've got to start looking at those players and finding out a way for them to come back in to the big dance, those four majors. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is that open line number. So there you go. Plenty on the table for us to discuss this morning and a whole heap more as well. We'll take a first break for the morning. I'll come back and take your texts and calls right after this.